Hello, I'm Paul Lewis Metzger, the director of the Institute for Cultural Engagement, New Wine, New Wineskins, and welcome to another episode of New Wine Tastings. New Wine Tastings is about a taste of new wine, and new wine is about building relational bridges through Jesus in contemporary culture. And it's a privilege to interview today Pastor Jim Sakara. And I just, you know, just even being with Jim always uh, lightens me, uh, enlightens me, and lights me up. So it's uh, in a variety. Now he just he always brings joy to my soul, and uh, it's going to be great to interview Jim on this theme that we're developing a series on the subject of advocacy, and it's about cultivate community, not simply causes. And it's something he even alluded to and highlighted recently in a meeting uh, for New Wine, New Wineskins um, on our leadership team. He's pastor, lead pastor of uh, Cascade Covenant, correct? Do I have that? Cascade View. Yep. Cascade almost, View. Almost. Uh, Cascade View uh, Covenant Church in Vancouver, Washington. And uh, you can see the backyard, so to speak. It's a very <laughs> big backyard uh, where he lives, even though he's from Hawaii originally. This is in Hawaii in his backyard. You can oh. you can barely see the pineapple tree that he planted. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, Jim serves on our advisory council for New Wine and also represents the advisory council to our board. And then Trudy Sang is also on uh, New Wine's advisory council as one of the leaders. And we're hoping at some point to get Cody Whittington on. And they're joining uh, Jim and me. Uh, all three of these figures are pastoral leaders. I'm not. Uh, I'm in need of pastoral care at every turn. But we're going to be looking to Pastor Jim to lead the way in this conversation related to advocacy on cultivate community, not simply causes. So Jim, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Aloha. Appreciate, appreciate being here. Before, before you start, I just want to recognize, you know, we talk about community. I want to recognize um, the original peoples that were part of the land, at least that I'm in on Vancouver. It's the, the Chinook people um, and more specifically the lower Chinook people. And they've been this has been their home. They've been the host of this um, area for almost 10,000 years. And so I um, want to recognize uh, the Chinook people um, and recognize that we're also their guests. Um, you can be praying for them. One of the things that they're wrestling with is um, they're not recognized federally as a tribe. And so they, they were recognized for a little while, then it was pulled. But um, so be just praying for the, the Chinook people. Uh, well, let's let's pray as we begin. Uh, Jim, would you mind uh, leading Absolutely. us in prayer? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you have created. We thank you for your goodness. Um, we thank you for the beauty that you surround us with. But we thank you for this opportunity to have this conversation. Lord, it is good to be with friends. It's good to be with my brother Paul, my sister Trudy, and brother Cody. And so, Lord, um, may this be a time that we would all learn together, that we would all learn together. Open our hearts, open our minds to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And Lord, I just want to agree with uh, Pastor Jim about the Chinook people. Mm. We pray your blessings on them, your mercies on them, and for uh, open doors of you know advocacy. Um, no doubt they advocate well for their own concerns, and we pray for advocacy related to government. Mm. Uh, to recognize them, Lord, for who they are, and uh, that they are our hosts, and often we don't show respect for our hosts of the land. And so, Lord, we just pray your mercies, your blessings on the Chinook people. And on this interview today, we pray yeah. your blessing too in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Paul. 
Well, thank you, Jim. And you know, just as Jim highlighted there, when we think about community, it's not just in the present tense, it's also past tense and future tense. And so uh, that's just part of Jim's DNA. And it's it's a very, if, if you don't mind me saying, Jim, I think it's a very indigenous perspective that a lot of times in dominant cultural contexts, we just don't think about that. Yeah. Whatever new is, you know, basically the host, if you will, uh, who's ever overseen or has control of something now, <laughs> they're those. And we don't think about uh, the hosts who were here first and who continue on to be here. And uh, the land is really their land. If we think of squatters' rights or think <laughs> about those who are the originators, if you will, uh, the first um, people, if you, if, if you will. So thank you for drawing our attention to that. And, you know, we're going to be dealing, as I said, with advocacy. And you highlight all the time the importance of community uh, you are concerned about causes for sure and racial equity and justice. That's a real passion of yours yeah. uh, individually in your local church context for the denomination, the evangelical covenant. Yeah. What I would say, though, to nuance it is that you yourself have said that it can't simply be about causes that won't last. It has to be about community. Why is community so important to you, Pastor Jim? As a Christian, as a Native Hawaiian who's yeah. you know transplanted to the Pacific Northwest, yeah. why is it so important to you? Yeah, you know, I think um, going back to my heritage, my my parents, my dad's from Maui, Lahaina, my mom's from Hilo, Hawaii, and then they moved to go to school at Willamette University. So I was actually born on the Big Island of Oregon in Salem, and so, um, but my parents they they made a very good effort, a very strong effort to make sure that we maintain the Hawaiian culture, and so for my mom when. Um, I remember at a very young age, um, she told me, she says, you need to dress a little nicer. You need to make sure your hair is in place. You need to make sure you kind of behave yourself because people are going to look at you differently. Mm. And, you know, and, and, and I could remember, I mean, I was just maybe six years old, five or six years old when she shared this. And, you know, for me growing up, you know, pretty much around, you know, white folk, I'm like thinking, oh, I'm like a white duck. But then she made this profound statement. And I think this is what really kind of directs the relational piece. And she says, be proud you're Hawaiian be proud you're Hawaiian. And little did I, you know, little would I know how, you know, the racism that go that went on in the Northwest. Um, but I think my mom always wanted me to make sure that I stayed connected, that she knew that I was part of a, of a community, of part of a group. And even in our culture, you know, we taught, we will share our names, we'll share our names, and our, you know, we'll list last names and people say, where are you from? And it's not necessarily where are you from, but we're trying to make connections. So if I hear somebody's from like um, Kailua on Oahu, you know, I'll try to whittle it down to, to find who is, you know, where is that connection? So for me, it's always, um, I think it's the relationships. It's just that, you know, that connection. And so um, finding community, finding relationship. And, and I think, you know, for me, um, when I get involved, you know, New Wines, Paul, um, it was because of my connection with David Greenwich, who used to serve on, you know, on the advisory. And he said, you know, Jim, you know, this is new wine, would you be interested in it? And I'm like, okay, talk to me about this, you know, because I, I was, I had no idea what I was getting involved in. And the last thing I need to do is get involved with, you know, so, but it was, it was David. I mean, David spoke highly. Um, I asked, and then, you know, your name came up and, um, and what, what David shared was, you know, just the relational piece, but, you know, the learning opportunities. And then, you know, you and I sat down 
Um, and I just really appreciated that. I mean, there was that connectedness, that was a relationship. And then, you know, the, the new wine community as a whole, I mean, very welcoming, you know, I mean, I didn't feel like, you know, the new kid on the block, I was trying to figure out, you know, what, what's going on. But, you know, I think sometimes when people, you know, when you come even into the group, Paul, what I appreciate about you and Trudy and everybody was, Jim, what, I want to hear your voice, you know, speak into this. And so I think, um, those kind of relationships, I think, are important. And, and so when I get involved with things, it's about the relationships. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really uh, refreshing. Uh, just your whole perspective and your what uh, caused your heart to beat. I still remember that yeah. meeting that we had over breakfast, yeah. uh, you yeah. and David and yeah. myself. And so uh, I just heard from David yesterday, too. So okay. yeah, another dear evangelical covenant pastor. So yeah. Uh, and relationships. Yeah. Uh, just as you're hearing this, Trudy and uh, Cody, just that that relational thrust, the connection to the Chinook, um, you know, as the host, the uh, connection to David. And I, I remember our, our our late friend Richard Twist. Yeah. You know, he yeah. would always introduce himself by way of his community, Lakota Sioux. You know, we don't ask those questions of who you're related to. We often ask the question: Is what do you do? You know, okay, what's your name? What do you do? For Richard, for yourself, it's like who we are is not reduced to what we do or seen primarily. It's who we're related to. And so, uh, Trudy and Cody, your thoughts, even at the outset of the relational communal emphasis that Pastor Jim is sharing with us. I think that one primary, as I hear Jim speak, it just feels so warm and welcoming. And it's that invitation to the table, which you know Cody is so involved in as well, and letting people feel valued and and you're you know, just the conversation is open, it's not closed. I appreciate that. Thanks, Trudy. Cody? Yeah, I think. Um, recognizing that you are a guest in a host culture, um, even if you've been there your entire life, is something that's profoundly lost on, um, especially evangelicals, I think, in, in our context. Uh, we kind of have, whether intentionally or not, we have that colonialization mindset. We've got to bring our culture, our way of thinking to bear upon our context. And um, I think when we moved to Montana to start the table, we wanted to take a breath and pause and just kind of observe uh, the place before we actually started anything to see what, where we're trying to plant. Um, and, and so I felt like what we wanted to do is try to figure out what does this host culture look like and keeping in mind that we're guests. And even at the table, we talked about uh, part of our calling as a church is to be for the good of the valley that we live in. Um, and so trying to keep that emphasis is that we are, we don't own this, this space. We are, we are exiles and we're also guests where we are. And so um, I like that emphasis that you place upon even to start the dialogue as recognizing the place where you're sitting is not your own. And uh, that means a lot in church planting, I think. Mm. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Cody and Trudy. Uh, Jim, uh, among other things, can I, can I add, add one this... thing really quick? Oh, yeah. Can I add yeah, one please. thing really quick? Yeah. You know, it, it's not, a, you know, I think the indigenous and being indigenous, we find that connection, 
but really it's among other people. I mean, I, so I want to be, because, you know, I, I went on a trip. I was, I was flying to, um, to Michigan on a flight and I sat down by this woman. Um, she had a, a, an accent. I said, oh, are you from New York? And she says, no, I'm from Sweden. She was 70 years old. Her name was Ingrid. And um, she said, oh, what are you doing? And, and I was trying to avoid, you know, because when, when you tell people you're a pastor on a plane, my friend who's an introvert, he says it's like a superpower. Nobody wants to talk to you or they're like, oh, okay. So, I, you know, you always kind of dodge that if you want to chat with people. Finally, she, she kind of likes it. So what do you do? And I said, well, I'm going to this conference with our denomination church. And she goes, I hate churches. I hate Christians and I hate churches. And I'm like, okay, cool. And so as we're talking, um, because the evangelical covenant church has a Swedish history, as you know, Paul, growing up and also, I started talking to Ingrid. I said, you know, years ago, I saw this movie it was called The Oxen. And she says, I know what that movie is. That thing was filmed just down the road from me, you know? And so then we started this conversation and, and uh, you know, with a lot of stories about the Evangelical Covenant Church coming out of Sweden. And I finally said, Ingrid, it's your people. It's your people that helped me learn about Jesus. It, it's your people that trained me up and loved me and taught me to love. And I mean, her face lit up. I mean, um, as we were flying, she was sharing later with me about a friend who had cancer. I said, can we pray for your friend? She's like, oh yeah. She grabs my hand. Um, when I got off at the airport, I looked kind of lost, but she like, she was in one of the trans and she's like yelling. She's standing on this chair, 80 or 70 years old. She's waving her hands. And so it's just that, you know, the, it's kind of amazing how, how we're connected to one another. And I, you know, and so, you know, I think it's not just among indigenous people, but I think it's being aware that, you know, we are, we are connected in bigger ways than just our own ethnicity if you will amen amen that's yeah, a great story great very well put um advocacy uh among other things uh again from a community oriented vantage point points uh brings the advocate and the person being advocated for together so they become friends not simply allies so can you speak to how the person advocating the person being advocated for can really become one in community and then also, would you uh, please unpack what a community-oriented approach to advocacy looks like, uh, including a community of advocates working together? Wow. New wine. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it really is. I mean, I think, you know, that's what I appreciate about new wine is that, you know, we, there, I've learned so much about um, disabilities from Trudy. You know, and and so we're, I'm I'm part of this community of of people that aren't like me. Um, they're passionate about you know various injustices or justices, if you will. I don't want to just say you know causes because it's more than causes because they're involved. And so, you know, it it's being part of a community that's bigger than yourself. It's not just oh, how can I contribute to the same community, but I you know. Bottom line, it's about relationships. It's really taking the time to listen to people. It's taking that time. You know, it's easier to impose than to understand. It's easier to impose what, you know, what you would like to see and what you would like to have the outcome yeah. than it is to, um, you know, than it is to, you know, understand what the other person is like. And yeah. I think sometimes there's a risk. Um, I was with some covenant pastors. Um, they were talking about coming together and they started talking about programs. Hey, we should do this and we should do that for Portland. And, and, and so they, they kind of started speaking on and on and being kind of the elder, the Kapuna. Finally, somebody goes, hey, Uncle Jim, what do you think about this? And um, my comment to them was, you know, this is very colonial of you. <laughs> I said, I, you know, I said, um, 
I don't want to be part, I don't want to bring, be brought together by programs because um, if, if one of us doesn't like the program or the program doesn't work, we're going to walk. But I said, mm-hmm. I want to bring us together based on our relationship. I want mm-hmm. to get to know one another. I want to develop those relationships. Mm-hmm. And then from those relationships, because those are passionate for you, um, it, it'll be passionate for all of us. And wow. then, you know, we can see the different gifts. So I think, you know, Paul, it's about relationships. It's about, you know, having, you know, listening to what people say. So I think for me in doing the um, like racial reconciliation, it's the conversations that I had with Henry Greenwich. I mean, you know, he brought me along as a brother. And so it's not about racial reconciliation, but it's really about um, having my, my friends back, having my brothers back. And so it's, I think yeah. it's about relationships. That's really beautiful. Just again, I think it's sustaining. Uh, you know, causes are not personal. I mean, they can be related to personal matters, very personal yeah. matters. Oh, absolutely. But, uh, but if, if we use people for a cause, and I see that happening, I've been guilty of it. Um, I've been the recipient of that abusiveness of that we're turned into cogs into a machine rather than seen as full participants no. uh, in, in this work. So no. um, again, as we had said, you know, advocacy brings together the advocate and the person being advocated for, brings them together. Yeah. And uh, you're getting at how a community approach is to be looked at. Uh, can you give an example or two from your own pastoral ministry where you view the people as the advocates on a particular issue, whether it's within the denomination, your church, some other context. Can you, can you speak a little more on that as far as? Yeah, just, just an example of where you have really been enriched by community advocacy where matters weren't, you know, reduced to causes where people exist to be treated as, a means to an end for something else rather than really yeah. truly ends in themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think sometimes um, when I get involved with various things, whether it's, you know, various advocacies, I, I think it's about beginning with the relationship with the people, you know, hearing, mm-hmm. hearing from them. So an example is um, we do this thing called journey to mosaic. We uh, it's a four day trip on the, on the bus, but we hear, we go visit places in the Northwest of racial injustice. We hear the stories of African-Americans, Asian-Americans, um, Native Americans and and just various sites. But one of the the first times I went, I was um, facilitating with a friend of mine, her name is Lenore Three Stars, Native American. And so she's, it was the very first time I ever heard the story of the Doctrine of Discovery. Mm -hmm. And so I hear the story about Doctrine of Discovery and, you know, kind of like you tried to take in as much as you can. And then the second time, the next year we, you know, we got on it. You know, I, I mean, it just became one of those things where I want to learn more about this. And, and so even within our denomination, we're in the process of um, trying to pass um, a paper to repudiate the doctrine of discovery within our denomination. And so I think that's one example is just really the relationships and getting involved. And I think, you know, my relationship with um, Henry Greenwich, David's brother, was really the allowed me um, to be part of allowed me to come to the table in, in the area of racial righteousness, racial really re- reconciliation. Mm. So it wasn't like I was looking for these things, but it was the relationships that, you know, that allowed me to bloom in these things. And yeah, it always is. I think yeah. we're just wired as relational beings. We're not wired as causes and effects. Yeah. People have causes and effects or are wired in terms of cause and effect, but there's something more fundamental, our person. And yeah. Yeah. I hear you saying that. Uh, Cody and Trudy, any, any thoughts on that?
about treating people as ends rather than means to an end as a, as a cause rather than as a, a person with whom to commune. Hope I'm making sense. Yeah, Jim, maybe you could maybe for yourself, how do you create what when you're filtering through because it's so easy to fall into causes that you end up focused on, you know, the, you know, the, you know, the to do list and the program or the and you lose the relationship development. Mm. Um, is there I mean, is there some, um, I mean, obviously relationship is really important but is there like kind of a filter that you use mm -hmm. that clarifies that so you can you do that kind of um accountability for yourself or do you surround yourself with that accountability as well mm -hmm. wow you know I, I think you know i think part of it is just trying to keep in mind few things done well um and I, and, and I think part of it is I can't, I mean, I, you know, what is it, you know, I guess what sometimes I wrestle with is there's so many issues of justice. How, do, how are we balanced? I mean, how do you balance the gospel um, without, you know, um, um, without, without, you know, not, without not being necessarily present, but not saying that that doesn't matter to me. Right. And so I think sometimes for me is, um, do I have something to offer in this area? So, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about you, Trudy. I mean, you know, with disabilities, I mean, I think it resonates with me because when our son was born, there was some, there were some issues that he had. And the very first thing the nurse or the doctor told us was the term she used was that was a term um, cerebral palsy. And so that really, you know, I mean, it was kind of like a wake up call for me. Um, for some reason, the Lord has given our son, or my grandson, Christopher, a different, or my uh, grandson, um, Levi, a different path. Um, and, and is, is important. And I think it would have been a different path. I mean, I think for me, it would have been a different path to go down and to be an advocate for, you know, people with several policy. It's opened my eyes. I mean, it's opened my eyes to speak on their behalf. You know, when I, when I preach on um, loving your neighbor, it's so easy to, to use the racial reconciliation piece. But you know what, when I preach about loving your neighbor, I talk about, you know what, our neighbors, the people with cerebral palsy, they're, you know, they're people with disabilities. I think for me, especially with new wines, Trudy, is being able to learn from you. But also, you know, in our conversations with the advisory board, it's, I, I try to find opportunities where will my gifts help advance Will my gifts enhance and move forward? And so I think those are some of the things is, you know, how, will my give, you know, gifts advance and help? Um, and I think for me, it's, you know what, if I'm in the background, that's all well and good. I think sometimes we want to be in the forefront when it comes to those things. But if people, you know, if, yeah. And so I'm satisfied, you know, with, with, you know, serving the area of disabilities with I can serve Trudy because it's the relationship. And so I guess those are the ways I just, you know, try to, um, manage that and, and get involved mm -hmm. with. I mean, there's some mm -hmm. things that just bring a spark to our heart. Mm -hmm. And if there's some things that don't bring a spark to our heart, I think it's okay. I mean, that's why we're the body. I mean, that's mm -hmm. why we're with one another because mm -hmm. we know somebody's being taken care of, right? Mm -hmm. no, beautiful. Did that answer your question, Trudy? Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I mean, I can, you know, when you start talking about injustices, it can be so overwhelming because then your heart breaks in yeah. some of the directions. But I think I appreciate you saying, what's my bandwidth? Yeah. 
and being okay with not being in the in the middle of it but being a support whether yeah. it's oh, prayer yeah. or just cheerleading or what a the body of christ formation i that's mm. beautiful i need one thing i want to say thing i want is <laughs> i apologize i apologize <laughs> You know, one thing, Trudy, the other thing too, you know, we talk about connectedness. I think coming on the board and learning that your house caught on fire, <laughs> that was a connection. Yeah. I mean, when you're sitting there saying, Jim, I, you know, because, you know, so many people that, have, you know, they feel sorry for us or they, you know, they hurt with us. But when you like come up and you said, oh, wow, I, you know what, I feel your pain. And then you start talking about my pain. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. you know, I guess this sounds awful. I mean, I think I would have still wanted to get involved with you know, with learning about more about disabilities, but there was a connection there. I mean, there was yeah. something that we shared. And so, you know, and that, that does something with relationships quickly. I mean, that does Amen. something um, Amen. in advancing those things. And, and when, when people use us for a cause rather than see us in community, you feel it. And it's not just, it's not equitable. It's, no. it's what, it's what easily can happen to all of us where we use one another. And so I think just your emphasis and the intentionality and the and the focus is so key yeah. in this regard. I told Cody, my people, oh, you know, with the whole Black Lives Matter, I told my I told my congregation as we're working through and talking through racial reconciliation, racial righteousness. I said, you know what? If you're going to these Black Lives Matter protests and you don't know people of color or you don't have friendships, deep friendships with people of color, it's kind of like you're being a hypocrite. You know, I mean, it's. Yeah. It, you know, it looks all well and good, you know, and, and sometimes I just think that that's, we need to live it out, right? I mean, we need to know why we're there. We need to know, we, you know, we need to be there for somebody, not just for ourselves. Yeah. So. Amen. Amen. Cody, did you have anything you wanted to share uh, further like Trudy did? Yeah. I mean, so much of that resonates with me. So I'm trying to figure out what I want to share. Uh, uh, the idea of, I mean, all of it's kind of blending together, but, uh, you know, talking about what issues am I going to give my bandwidth to? And as a mm -hmm. pastor, I know you, I know you get this as well and true to you as well. Um, the, anytime an event is captured on the news, we receive the email. Are you going to talk about it? <laughs> are you going to talk about it? Are you going to talk about it? And so our moral pastoral credibility is often used or reduced to what we will or will not say on a Sunday sermon. And there were a, there were a couple of events that happened last year where I addressed some of them, but not others. And my silence on others was taken as uh, neglect or indifference. Um, and so it, it's, it's very challenging right now to pastor where in a culture where what is being moralized is what you do and do not say in a span of three minutes. And um, what we've tried to do on the context of relationships, Pastor Jim, is we've tried to create what we've called cohorts, but uh, gatherings during the week um, where we, get, we take people who are genuinely interested in those conversations regarding race, um, injustice, whatever the topics. We've covered so many topics, but we meet we were meeting once a week for anywhere between eight to 10 weeks at a time, diving in deeper to those conversations, but in a relational space, because mm. on Sundays I'm one guy with a microphone and that's <laughs> not fair. That's not a dialogue. Yeah. And, uh, and so I've tried to tell our folks, I don't address a lot of topics on Sunday because I don't think it's fair. Um, when I'm the only guy with a microphone. And so we've tried to create spaces of engagement outside of that. 
And ironically, the people who press me the most never show up to those conversations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Cody, I, because um, Cascade View Covenant Church, I planted that 20 years ago. So, I, I, you know, I, I feel your pain. But I think, you know, one of the things I've learned, um, at least for our, when we look at ministries that we've accomplished in the past, whether it's, um, you know, w- um, with the homeless or, or uh, various other activities, it really is tiring as a pastor, you know, the expectation I think is that, you know, the, the pastor is in charge of doing all these things. But I think what's been helpful for me is, you know, really trying to develop people to, um, to be involved with the ministry. I mean, very much, you know, go back to Trudy. Trudy is, you know, um, she has risen up within the church to say, Hey, I would like to do this, you know, this ministry. And so I think sometimes um, it gets to be tiring, Cody, as a pastor, doesn't it? You know, because we feel sometimes it's like, well, we should, you know, educate people, but I think we can only educate them so much until finally they can, you know, take the ball and run with it. And so I find when I look back at the ministries, you know, some of the ministries that were done, you know, in excellence and, and really advanced the kingdom, it, you know, it might have been me talking about it, but really it was somebody else that rose to the occasion. And I find that whenever I tried to kind of, uh, when, I've, when I've tried to kind of motivate people, it, you know, so it just, it, it gets tiring, you know, for everybody. And, mm-hmm. and so, but I think it's just when we allow people, you know, as a pastor, giving people the space to say, hey, you know what, um, do this you know let how can how can we support you and, and letting them know that um their contribution to the kingdom and the church is is significant so jim you know when you think about a cause-oriented approach to advocacy uh you know what might the strengths be of that but what might the weaknesses be of that as well i mean it, it's it's worked well in dominant culture i think to be cause-oriented i think i even see in minority domains that people will use that kind of cause approach, but it, it just doesn't lend itself to the relationality in my aspect and in, in my sense. It, it almost tends to throw that out and uh, reduce people, uh, even for relational causes, to impersonal means. So could you share a little bit about what might the strengths be, but also the weaknesses? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the strengths you know, the relationship, you know, if, when we look at relationships, I mean, we stick with people when it comes to relationships. And so, I mean, I, I don't think, you know, enough can be said. And I think a lot of people, or at least my hope is that, you know, they're connected, they're, they're whatever the cause is, whatever the injustice they're serving against, or whatever justice they are serving, you know, it's because of relationships, it's because of others, it's bigger than themselves. Um, but I think when it's just cause, it's about yourself. I mean, it, it, um, years ago, I remember when I was a youth pastor, um, you know, I did the thing where you call, we called Portland Rescue Mission and said, hey, um, we'd like to do, we'd like to serve, you know, a meal. And they're like, well, get in line because everybody wants to serve on Thanksgiving and Christmas, <laughs> you know? And I said, oh, really? And they're like, yeah. I said, you know, they said, if you really want to serve, do it during the week or, you know, or do it, you know, not around the holidays. And so, um, we called back. I called back after um, Thanksgiving. No, I call, actually I waited till after Christmas, and then I called him in January. I said, "Okay, you know, we'd like to serve," and and I intentionally said we want to do it once a month because we wanted we wanted them to know that we we were supporting them. We wanted to know that we were going to be present, but also we wanted to, you know, we wanted to get to know the people that were the clients there at the Portland Rescue Mission, and so. Um, and, I, and so I think what happens is that, you know, everybody wants to do something around the holiday. I mean, that's the cause. You want to feel good. You want to feel like you've accomplished something. 
but when you do it not around the holidays i mean that's that's totally different you know the emotions gone the feelings are gone and so you know i think those you know when when causes become just simply you know i'm going to run to this um you know, one of the challenges, even in our own denomination is, the, you know, again, is about racial reconciliation and people, you know, people have relationships with people, but I've, I've noticed that especially, um, you know, people, um, you know, Caucasians, white folk, if there is a cause that, um, that connects them more to their family members, all of a sudden racial reconciliation isn't important anymore. There's also, you know, I think is that um, there's a sense at least in our denomination, we were doing very well. And so, you know, you're, 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 you're feeling like, Hey, this is, this is going well. Um, and then pretty soon people kind of start patting themselves on the back and you have the people of color with this heavy rock getting ready to roll back. You're like, wait, everybody, where are you going? You know, we're not, we, you know, we're needing to get this rock up the hill. And, and, and even though things are going well, it's, we still need, you know, the hands on this rock. And, and sometimes I just think when people feel like when it's a cause, people feel like, hey, all right, you know, we're done. You know, there, there's this sense of, you know, an end, an end goal. There's this finish line. And I don't know if it's boredom or it's, you know, something else. And, and it might be just another good cause. But when you're not tied into that relationship, when you're not tied with somebody, because in everything, it, it's a long journey. Um, homelessness, disabilities, you know, racial reconciliation, all these things are long, long journeys. And so, but I think with causes, it's more like, hey, let's go have an appetizer. Let's try a bite of this. Let's try a bite of that. But I think it's, you know, it's about feeling good. It's about, you know, hey, at least, you know, I, I'm feeling good about myself. I, I felt like I did something. And, you know, Jim, uh, just as I may have alluded to, alluded to it before, you know, with my son's situation with his, uh, the brain damage, the, the relentlessness of the situation of advocating and the like, uh, you've been one, uh, others too uh, here, but you've been one who's really uh, stepped into the gap, um, spam musabi, ukulele <laughs> playing, uh, just and such. And you, you know, and, and everyone's got their own um, calling, right? And so different people and, you know, life situations. So it's not a matter of everyone has to do things the same. But sometimes I'm struck when people will say, like, how's it going? Uh, like soon after it's like well I remember having this conversation with someone it's like well like hell you know it's like it's going really and they were just like oh well oh okay well yeah well besides that I mean well besides that I mean what is there it's it's an ongoing relentless situation and I, I think a lot of times in the dominant culture it's not only dominant culture and it's not always dominant culture but I I find that it's like it's a fixed point in time and then we think that one needs to get over these things. I've never sensed that with you. And I think the, the matter of Portland Rescue Mission and the like, uh, wanting you to do it, not at those two times during the year, it's an ongoing thing because it's a relationship. And even people who are really relational struggle. Uh, I was talking to Tom Shai, one of our colleagues, Pastor Tom Shai yesterday about you know, self-care. <laughs> and he noticed that I got tired during the call. I, you know, I was getting you know, droopy-eyed. And it wasn't because it wasn't interesting. I was struggling with that, yeah. even in this episode, a little bit. And just because I'm relaxed in the context of friendships, yeah. well, in the midst of this exhausting yep. ordeal. Yep. But I always believe and really feel it that you don't do drive-by. You are present. And I, I hope that I grow from that. 
that I'm there for people. Um, and there are many people doing that for us. We're so grateful. But I just, you, you really embody it uh, and, and live it out in so many contexts, not just this. And so the, the causes aren't sustainable. And it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because for people like on racial issues and dominant culture, uh, you know, if, it, if somehow they feel there's another cause related to their family, they'll pull out. But if your family is the cause yeah. of race, and if you have an extended family, how can you pull out of something? I can't pull out of my family situation. My son <laughs> is, is uh, you know, Japanese and American, right? Yeah. And my, oh, yeah. My, yeah. my wife's Japanese, my daughter. I mean, how can I pull out of this issue? Um, when I think about what's going on for Asian Americans in this country, I mean, how can I pull out from that issue? Yeah. It's my issue because yeah. it's my people. And I, I think what we don't have is, a, is an, an extended view of family. The nuclear family is very destructive in terms of the focus being on the nuclear family in the church. It's destructive yeah. Yeah. because it's not, as an ex, it's not an expansive biblical notion of family. Of course, I should care for my immediate family. Of course, that's a <laughs> given. Anyone yeah. who doesn't care for his own family is worse than an infidel. But I need to see my family as part of a greater family. family. It, yeah. It's enriching. And I think then their causes become my cause because it's still family. Yep. And, and that's the, it, it's not a marathon race. Uh, it's a sprint. And we'll be talking to Dr. Leroy Haynes for this series about marathon race advocacy. And that's what you're really talking about. It's, it's the long haul. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it really is. And, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, Paul, I mean, especially the journey you're on, you know, with your son, I mean, that is, um, it's a long race and it's a hard race, but, you know, and, 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 but you know what I appreciate is that you've, you've allowed us to be part of that race. I mean, I think that's the other piece is allowing, you know, being, allowing people to invite you. I think that's probably one of the greatest values as far as relationships. I mean, you know, in indigenous cultures, Hawaiian cultures, when, when people start kind of, you know, you'll be talking and talking and talking and then pretty soon, like one of the elders or kapunas, they'll be like this. And then they'll kind of lean in, right? Because now comes the good stuff, you know, and now comes the story. They're going to tell you something. Um, they're going to tell you something that maybe they don't tell a lot of people. Um, and, and it's those stories that are valuable because, you know, um, stories are so valuable um, because it's who we are. Yeah. And so I think, you know, like with my aunties and uncles, when they share stories um, to me, it's they're valuable. And, you know, and, and even when I did this journey to Mosaic for several years, people are saying, hey, share, share your Hawaiian story, share your, you know, but I would not do it. <laughs> because I, I wasn't sure how people were going to respond to it. I love my, you know, I love my culture. I love my family that much. And so, you know, and so finally, when I, you know, I shared my story and part of, you know, part of the reason, Paul, I didn't want to share, I didn't want to be a cause. I didn't want to be, get in the way of causes. We're talking about causes. And so when I, you know, I was hesitant because, you know, the, you know, as far as Native Americans, as far as African Americans and just immigration, things like that, you know, my mind's thinking, Oh, great. Now, now the Hawaiian wants to get his butt in the canoe. right? And so, you know, there's, there's enough going on. And so for a while, I wouldn't share my story because it was valuable, but I didn't want to just impose it on people. Finally, you know, somebody talked me into doing it, you know, so I shared my story and I'm sitting with an African-American brother, Robert Johnson, and um, we're, we're sitting in a breakout group and, uh, you know, he says, man, the Hawaiian story, damn, not another group, <laughs> you know? And then, you know, um, my uh, sister, Catherine um, Gilliard, uh, African-American sister, she says, Jim, your story is important. I, I mean, it brought me to tears. Um, 
because I was, you know, I, I was allowed to be part of that. But I think, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, and that's a long way around to say the value of a story. Stories are so important. And so, Paul, I think, you know, some of the, you know, the stories that you share, I mean, the fact that you're able to do it as often as you do it, I'm, it blows my mind. But I think, you know, I think that's the beauty of New Wines is because it, it's a place of people sharing their story. It's a safe place for people to share story. Speaking of that, could you talk about the importance of talking story? You just you just said it. <laughs> yeah. In talking story in a Hawaiian context, I when I would go and teach for New Hope or Pacific Rim, they've had different names. Yeah. I was fascinated with what I was learning uh, from Grant Lee, from Randy Fukushima, uh, uh, about the importance of talking story uh, in the Hawaiian context. And it's I remember one pastor when I went to Shoba Church, I, I he said, if you'd been here five minutes earlier, we could have talked story. I thought talking story is not a five minute thing. Uh, you know, it, it's a it's a vulnerability. It's an ongoing yeah. thing, it, it, but it can get trivialized. It's a very vulnerable heart to heart life on life. And I was at a swimming pool, actually, with my kids once at the place where we were staying uh, during a teaching uh, endeavor. And it was actually the Filipino um, uh I guess, security guard, okay. uh, not groundskeeper, there at this particular facility, just started sharing about his family back home. He's just talking to us at the swimming pool. And yeah. he was just sharing his life. And it was like, oh my goodness, I don't hear this. I mean, he was just sharing about what he does with his money. He sends his money home and just, and I wasn't asking him all this, but he was just yeah. talking about his family. And, and it was really beautiful. It was a yeah. gift. Yeah. I don't hear that a lot. Yeah. I don't hear, but talking story, yeah. you mentioned story and such, that's part of advocacy because once you yes. know someone's story and you live that story, yep. Yep. you embrace that story, you become part of that story, you're advocating for your own community's story. Yeah. And I think the other piece too is um, if they're sharing their story with you because it's important to them, they're sharing a piece of their life. I yeah. mean, they really are. And sometimes I think we're such a hurry. So, I mean, you know, one of the things about talking story, like Paul, like you were saying, you're in a swimming pool and all of a sudden this uncle, I mean, everybody's auntie and uncle in Hawaii. I mean, this uncle just starts sharing his story, right? And you're kind of like, oh, what's going on here? But I mean, yeah. I think the fact that you're kind of able to relax and just to enjoy it, I, I mean, because the story just pops up. So here's here, we, my buddy and I, Walt, um, Walt Kelly, we were, we were, um, uh, we were doing a luau together. I was performing a wedding and he was going to do the music, but we told a friend, Hey, from the mainland, Hey, we'll do the luau. So we get this call from this uncle, this uncle called Walt and says, Hey, you can come get banana stumps. So he was like, okay, so we're going to go to uncles and get banana stumps. So then our wives say, you guys don't forget, you need to be back in 45 minutes because we got to go dinner or whatever. And so we get in the car and we're like, Oh man, we're in trouble. (laughs) And so then we get there and this uncle's like, hey, all right, how's it? Come on, let's go sit on the lanai and I'll get, you want iced tea or lemonade? You know, and so we're like sitting down and we're drinking, you know, and, and so like you said, he started talking story. And this guy was an anthropologist in Papua New Guinea. And so Walt's like, this guy's got all kinds of stories. He might share a story. He might be just too busy. And so he's sitting down and he's telling his stories about Papua New Guinea. And so um, our phones start ringing. <laughs> so it's like, silence the phone. And then, you know, uncle's talking and talking and we're just in, yeah, the phone's ringing again, silence the phone. And then finally, after like an hour and a half, uncle says, oh, 
banana stumps. You're here for banana stumps. We're like, okay, uncle. And so, you know, he, he, we grabbed the banana stumps, we threw it in the car and we're like, we're dead men <laughs> on our way home. But I mean, that's, I mean, and, and I think um, moments like those are valuable and, and they're not necessarily planned. And so that, you know, yeah. I think part of the talking story is that grasp it when you can. And I, like yeah. you said, when people are advocating or people are sharing their passions or people are sharing their heart, that, I mean, that it's a time to listen to the story. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, and it, when people really share that, it's like, it's life-giving and then the causes yeah. become relational causes. It's yeah. not just an issue. It's a person, it's a people. Yeah. And, and when that occurs, it's like, it's sustaining. And that's the point. If we're really wanting to advocate in a way that it's for the long haul, then it's a matter of uh, you, you, you need the relational connection. Otherwise, it won't be for the long haul. Um, and I'm going to ask Cody and uh, Trudy to enter into this next one. Um, some viewers and listeners may take issue and say that framing advocacy work in terms of community will blunt the force of advocacy initiatives. Uh, you know, it's like, got to get the job done, you know, get on with it. Um, and I, I hear that at times in dominant culture. It's not the wrestling. It's like, just get it done, you know, move it forward. Uh, they see community as insular and passive. How would you respond? And then after you respond, if Trudy and uh, Cody can uh, reflect further on it. Well, I thought that was the question for them. I was kind of waiting to hear what they were going to say. <laughs> You're still out getting your banana stumps. I get it. So. I am. I'm looking. Yeah, I'm like, oh, banana stumps. So one more time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, just the matter of, you know, the, I have found a lot of times people say, get over it, get on with it, get the job done. You know, it seems so passive. You know, you're going out and talking to uncle there about banana stumps. And it's like, yeah, but the cause is suffering because you're out getting your banana stumps. And uh, how do you see that, Jim? Does it, does that, strike you as odd from your vantage point? And do you think it's not getting the job done or is it getting the job done in a unique way that is really much more relationally building, upbuilding? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's part of it. I mean, it's part of advocacy. I mean, I, you know, because it's the story, it's hearing the background, it's getting, you know, you're, you're beginning to fill in what, what's happening. And then also it, you know, it's an opportunity to say, can I, can I help advance this? You know, I mean, can I, am I, mm -hmm. am I, can I be part of the solution? So it's not, you know, the relational piece is very, very important, but you know what, the, the work piece is just as important. Um, so Hawaiians, we have luau or we have, we have luau's, right? And so people look at the luau as the event. Um, but what, but really for Hawaiians, the luau is bigger than just the event. So you get together. So you have a luau on one day. So you're getting together like two nights before aunties and uncles, they're, they're, they're preparing things, they're sharing stories, they're talking stories. There's also a time where there's like these rites of passages where an uncle might say, hey, you know what? You get to light the pit. You get to light the emu, the pit where you're going to cook the pig. That's like a right. I mean, that's like a rite of passage. It's like, really me? I get to light the pit, you know? And then it's preparing the pig and it's putting the pig in the pit. It's cutting vegetables. But during this time, this relational time, you're listening to stories. I mean, these are stories that you know, the Native Americans have a saying, they look seven years back and seven years forward. You don't just kind of live in the moment. And so you're hearing stories from our aunties and our kapunas and our elders that, that ground us as, as Hawaiians. And then, you know, we're, we're putting all this stuff together. And then it's the day of the luau. 
And then you come to the luau and we're serving. I mean, people are working really, really hard. And I mean, everybody is, you know, and it's not like everybody gets to sit down. Everybody's trying to, you know, trying to make sure everybody's comfortable. Are you enjoying yourself? But it's, it's a lot of work and everybody's working together. The kapunas, the aunties and uncles, they get to slack a little bit because they've earned it. But, you know, the rest of us, we're, you know, working, working, working. You have the event, you have the musicians, you have the dance, you have the food, and then, and then the, the luau, that event is done. But then you clean up after. I mean, the aunties, the uncles, everybody's cleaning up. And there's something about, you know, that for Hawaiians is that you don't leave alone, you know. And so, you know, it sure there is this relational piece, but there is this activity that has to get done. You, you know, it's kind of funny. They talked about several years ago, someone made a comment. They said, oh, you know why they have Bible studies is because um, white folk don't know how to be relational. <laughs> You know, and, and, you know, and it was a, it was an African-American brother and I'm like, really? And he goes, oh yeah. You know, they, they're kind of uncomfortable when they get together. So they say, Hey, let's read the Bible, which is really interesting because you know what? Um, if you want to have a Bible study with Hawaiians, it's like, Hey, let's, would you come over and help me with this project? Would you help me build this? And it's in the midst of doing this project. It's in the midst of working together. You start, Hey, how's, how's, the covenant church they say how goes your walk with jesus it's it, you know and those 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 discussions you know come up and so it's not necessary you know relationships it's like a marriage right i mean if i were just to sit around and tell my wife how much i love her and just hey by the way i love you see it you know i mean unless i'm active unless i'm doing something it, it's it's useless right and so i think mm -hmm. that that there is the relation, but there is activity. It, it's part of it. It goes without saying. It, it's yeah. the involvement. It's 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 not only talking about how much you love somebody, but it's showing how much you love them by getting involved, by participating, and and, mm. and acting on it, advocating and acting upon it. Because mm. you know what, they're gonna they're they're already involved. We're just going along, you know, to to help further and advance mm. what they're doing. That's good. That's good, Cody. I was going to ask you if you want to do a Bible study with me. Um, after the session, we have to reconsider. But Cody, your thoughts and Trudy. <laughs> I just probably offended everybody with that comment, but I don't think so. You know, it's, no, it's, it, it was just a relational. But how do we get together? What do we do when we get together? No, that's it, it's so true. Um, you know, it's it's absolutely true. We, uh, I'll never forget. We had a. Uh, we were we're trying to figure out how to do community outside of Sundays as our church. And I remember hearing one person in our church say, you know, I think what's frustrating is we put the Bible at the center of everything we do, and we don't know how to exist without the Bible at the center. And um, even maybe evangelicals listening to this are going, what's wrong with that? It's the Bible at the center, you know, but the <laughs> problem is, is this gentleman told me, he said, here's the thing. I spent years in small group studies. And he said, and I can tell you, I, I know that John knows the Bible, but I don't know John. Mm -hmm. And that's happened so many times. And so one of the things that we're working on at the table is, um, you know, what does it look like to move to just a five to seven minute discussion about theological reflection or spiritual reflection and just spend time building relationships? Because what inadvertently happens, and this came from another guy in our church, he said, you don't have to structure the heck out of it because nine times out of 10, it always comes back to something spiritual taking place in our lives. You don't have to overstructure it. So what you were saying really resonates. Um, I'm in a predominantly white area and yes, yes, yes. Um, so I think that really resonates. Um, and one thing that, you know, Paul, you had asked about, 
causes and relationships. Um, and this is kind of taking a little bit different, a, a different reflection, but uh, um, on that, I have a friend who works closely with homeless and displaced people in um, very populated areas. And one of the things he always says is many times it's not that they just have a resource problem. It's not that there's just a cause that needs to be fixed. It's that they have a relational problem. Um, there's the absence of relationship. And so uh, from him, I am learning that if we are just reaction, reactionary and cause-based, we're always going to be putting out fires. And it's quicker, maybe more immediate, but it's ultimately unending. Um, but if we are relational, we will be working to remove the causes of those fires. Um, and that's slower, it's difficult, it's long, it's the long game, but it's way more sturdy in the long run. And it's a matter, isn't it, Cody, what you're saying, it, it's a matter of building those relational connections. One to even see what those fires are that need to be put out, but um, investing the time and energy and supporting those people in relation, because it's sometimes they've lost relationships, they don't have relationships, and uh, mentoring takes place in that context, and just coming alongside, and that, that is long, hard, but beautiful work, yeah. especially if you love someone. That's something you want to do. If you love someone, even as painful as it is, you just really want to be there for them and to help put in place that stability for their sake. Yeah, I want to let me. I want to just share two quick things and then turn it is, over. Is to it a, is it a Bible? I'm, I was hoping you're going to lead us in a Bible study. Can you do that? No, we're going to go dig a pit for a pig. <laughs> go climb that coconut tree back there. You know, Cody. And, you know, and, and Cody kind of reminded me of this. Is that you know, I, you know. When we started planning the church, we were in, uh, we, re we leased rented space. And so we had to set up. And, um, and I think when we talk about relationships, Paul, I think the other piece of the relationship is not necessarily kind of, you have the relationship over here. And I guess maybe this is where my thinking was breaking down, but really it's, it's even in the activity. I mean, I think the relational piece happens during the activity. So when we were, when we, when we started our church, we were, I mean, we unloaded every morning, every Sunday morning, we're unloading a trailer, reloading the trailer. Um, but you know what, some of the strongest relationships that were developed during those times were when people were working together. I mean, when, you know, I mean, as much as we didn't want to do it, you know, <laughs> when you're working together, I mean, that's where those relationships. And so when I talk about relationships, it's kind of, you know, hearing the story. And then once you get involved, you're, you're, that's where you're growing in those relationships, mm -hmm. but it is by doing, um, and then, you know, we finally moved into a, a lease space to where we're not setting up. And it's, you know, there's a little bit of disconnectedness. And although as much as I'm glad we don't have to set up every Sunday, there was something about working together, you know, doing something together. Um, I remember this other uh, group, it's called Night Strike. They do, they worked with homeless people and, and um, or people on the streets. And I loved it. You know, they did haircuts and all that. But I, you know, I kind of was curious about it, you know, started going. But the thing I loved about them, they said, you know what? If somebody starts a conversation with you, stop what you're doing. It's not about it's not about getting all these things taken care of. It's not about serving up the food. It's not about it's about the relationships. And I appreciated that in the midst of what you're doing, stop because it's about the relationships. And so yeah. I, you know, so when I think about relationships, maybe my in my mindset is that relationships aren't only just that time where you're sitting at the table planning. I mean, I think it's broader than that. It's, it's, I'm learning by getting involved. I'm learning when we're, you know, 
uh, um, going to conferences or advocating or speaking on behalf of racial righteousness or journey to mosaic. And, and it's a, it, it's where I'm learning. I mean, I'm learning more from the people that I'm around. And so to me, that's part of that relationship is that learning from them and, you know, on the job training, if you will. But I think that that, that is, that's part of the relationship building is when you're doing it with people like our conferences that we do in the spring and the fall, it's working together. And, and so those, you know, relationships are happening. I think that's when Trudy and I first talked about the, my house burning down mm -hmm. was we were, we were at, you know, um, Cannon beach, you know, and she came up and she says, you know, Jim, I heard this. And so, it, you know, we were working together, but we were able to have a relationship and talk about those stories. And I, you know, I think sometimes it's easier to, when you're doing, working together, there's something valuable that adds to that relationship. So. Beautiful. Trudy, were you going to add anything as we are closing in on the end? But, you know, if we need to get banana stumps, we're going to do it. I, I, I think that so often in our uh culture, we tend to look at the end game and not the process. And, and we miss out on so much during the process and just in, and to, to judge an outcome by how quickly the process is moving forward. And, you know, when Paul was mentioning mentorship and discipleship, when James and I were youth coaches, we, our home was very much a open home. I mean, we had kids all the time at our house and two kids specifically really just felt we there we were their safe place and um and so we we kind of labeled them our velcro kids and <laughs> and they're in their 30s now and they we do family camp together we do family celebrations and stuff together but I mean, he's a, a associate pastor in St. John's and, and they have two lovely girls. But if I was to have judged what it was like when they were in high school, I mean, she was a punk rock, hardcore girl that just had a real edge to her with a real opinion. And I had to go and pick her up and I had to drive a ways to get her, to get her to everything. That, and, and, it, and people just kind of said, why are you bothering? You know, are you sure? And I said, no, God, God's placed her in our life and I love her. And, um, you know, it was her senior year when she made a decision for Jesus. And, and then her, um, and then her now husband, we would take them camping with us. We had the boys tent and the girls tent and well, they went away to college and then got engaged and married and came back and it was a bonus because we had both of them but the idea of that messy relationship of going in for the long haul if i had discounted that process i mean there are kids we love them and um we would have missed out and i i feel like we need to give space for more process yeah really good, really good. Yeah, it's kind of like Zen in the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, where Piercig goes across country with his son riding motorcycles. And the fixing of the motorcycles was as important as getting to their destination. And he's talking a lot about fixing motorcycles and motorcycle maintenance. And uh, it, it shouldn't be just Zen Buddhists, who I uh, dearly love and uh, care for as my friends, who we have potlucks with on a monthly basis. And uh, but also evangelical Christians, when we're not doing Bible studies, maybe we should do some more 
luau's and pig roasts and uh, and also motorcycle maintenance. So, Jim, what would be a, a closing takeaway? You know, this process versus finished product or a process not just getting the job done as Trudy was talking about, or just you know the matter of uh, what Cody was talking about, how we so easily building on what you were saying with, you know, go after the Bible study because we don't really know how to talk to one another, what to say, and to engage at a deeper level. And how can we bring the Bible in to, how can we make the advocacy more relational so that it definitely sustains us for the long haul? Any closing takeaways, Jim? Yeah. For our viewers. You know, I, I mean, it, really what we were talking about was what Jesus does. I mean, I mean, it's a life lived out. Um, everything we talked about, you know, points to scripture. I mean, we, we, it points to the specific stories. And, and, and the thing about it, I mean, Jesus, he was able to introduce those things in, the, you know, in, in daily life. Um, and I think that there is opportunity um, and I think, you know what, I, I think our life speaks. I, I think we equally need to find opportunities to share the gospel, but I think our life speaks and, and allowing our life to speak um, and, and show what the gospel is. Um, yeah, that we don't, you know, what First uh, John that says, um, uh, you know, let's not do it by words. Let's not do it by speech. Let's do it in actions and truth, right? And so I think, you know, and so I just think it's um, convincing people with our actions that God loves them, um, helping people to um, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe the walk away is this, maybe it's um, letting people experience what God really thinks about them, mm. what they might not know. And so, and it's just that, that he does walk with us and that I'm a process and Jesus is still working on me. So <laughs> Um, we're all in process and we just need to help each other along. Amen. Yes. Uh, in actions and in truth, the word became flesh. Oh. He made his dwelling in our He moved into the neighborhood and yeah. uh, that that would be at the heartbeat of advocacy that uh, we're in for the long haul. We're in relationally. Uh, we are in to make it a relational cause. And then it really will be sustained when it's about cultivating the community and it flows from that communal orientation. Yeah. Pastor Jim Sequeira, thank you for joining uh, my pastoral colleagues, Trudy Sang and Cody Whittington. Yeah. I'm Paul Lewis Musker signing off, and we're going to go out and have a pig roast. Uh, and uh, we uh, will have to get some banana stumps, though, too, on the Here way. We go. We'll so, go find the uncle. <laughs> thank you, Jim. Blessings uh -huh. to you. Blessings to all who joined us. Goodbye.